Hello and welcome to 99 from 99, the movie podcast where we take you back to the past and cover 99 films or more from the year 1999. I'm your stubborn Kentuckian host, Michael Denniston, joined every week by madman of the airwaves, Ben Zook. Why take a journey to the past? Well, perhaps like you, we've looked out our window and seen the world grow smaller, colder, and scarier. Not here. So sit back, relax, and come back with us to a time when theaters were full, tickets were affordable, and there were so many good movies, you couldn't possibly catch them all. That's what this podcast is here to do. So we hope you take the entire trip with us, 99 episodes on the films from 1999. you to hit me as hard as you can i'm scared to close my eyes i see dead people i believe you have my papler now that i've met you would you object to never seeing me again this is not just a couch it's just our couch take the red pill and i show you how deep the rabbit hole goes leave the light on after bedtime I always thought it'd be better to be a fake somebody, a real nobody. Are we gonna air it? Of course not. In the most advanced research facility in the world. Wow. Beneath its glassy surface, a world of gliding monsters. A team of specialists is working against the clock. Did someone order the fish? On an experiment to benefit mankind. Sharks never show any loss of brain activity as they age. We're this close to the reactivation of human brain cell. But before they can save millions of lives... Tell me I didn't see that. They recognize that gun. It's impossible. Sharks do not swim backwards. They can't. They'll have to find a way to save their own. Did you feel something? Jim and I use gene therapies to increase their brain mass. What is that? As a side effect, the sharks got smarter. Somebody, please, tell me what that is. We've kind of talked about this movie before, this Deep Blue Sea, uh, debatably. Yeah, that was for... Uh or what was that a Ron Howard some, movie some lesser tanked. known podcast you know <laughs> out there I was it was kind of a slumming week for me uh, I, yeah. I like how you you punch down you pick on my my other uh, you know podcast work and I'm I'm trying to punch up to Mr. Ron Howard but uh, I I'm see obviously we're at. joking and and you know you can't go higher than Ron Howard and you know he's he's way out of your league uh, you know Denison. he's responsible for him or Mr. Eastwood are responsible for right now us having to add one more film to our, our schedule because I remembered how that happened. That yes. You were so angry mm-hmm. at both of them that you decided to combine Ed TV and True Crime as I think our theme was the worst films from great directors. It just, I think that worked out now. And now, now we get to add uh, a documentary called One Day in September onto the schedule. So, you know, it all I works was gonna, out keep with that theme because i noticed that we're not uh doing the uh classic sam raimi uh, nerd tries his hand at sports for the love of the game with uh, kevin costner that did not make our cut that would have been my pick but sure we'll, we'll go with your your fancy uh academy award winner fine 
Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I've never seen it, and it seems like interesting subject matter. So, you know, I'm sure for love of the game, it's fine. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> so back to debatably no uh, Rennie Harlan's uh, best movie. And, and I'm not hmm. sure who would debate that point, but there probably are people out there who would. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy this film. Uh, I, I would say it's one of the best genre picks that we've had uh, for, you know, for the whole year. And there's something just really special about it. And you, so, uh, like the first thing I want to talk about, you know, is a very spoiler, spoilerish thing uh, to, you know, to talk <laughs> yeah. about. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, okay. You know, before we immediately dive into spoilers for Deep Blue Sea, um, I, I would uh, throw out there the long kiss goodnight is my preference. Looking at his filmography, <laughs> maybe even Cliffhanger. Uh, I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen Cliffhanger. I remember enjoying it though. Um, okay, so <laughs> spoilers, I guess, for Deep Blue Sea, because Ben, I think this may be one of the only things people remember about this film like if they saw it once mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i think this is you know i don't want to say that uh it's <laughs> it's sunken so far that it's like into like meme or like gif territory here but yes the the death of at the time uh probably the uh the biggest movie star that they were marketing uh the sort of surprise De kill definitely yeah uh, i say that at the time probably you know even today yeah i know but, uh uh, Still, I think Southern Scarred Scarred's, uh, you know, Q score hasn't exactly gone up uh, that much. There you go again, so. <laughs> punching, punching down. I was, I was going after, you know, Mr. Thomas Jane, who uh, just never, never quite got the, uh, you know, the above the the title push uh, like he did here. Um, okay, so yeah, Mr. Uh, Nick Fury himself, Sam Jackson, uh, giving the big rousing speech, and then eaten by a shark, and the movie doubles down because it's been ridiculous up to this point with these super smart sharks that they've engineered to uh, help cure Alzheimer's um, by then showing them uh, tearing Sam Jackson's body apart underwater. Just in case you thought like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe he survived that mm -hmm. and he's going to come back. They assure you, no, he will not come back, which I, I had forgotten that moment. I'd, I'd forgotten that they, they doubled down on that because the expectation would be uh, he's going to come back at the very end. Instead, we're stuck with a bunch of nobodies. Um, yeah, no offense to LL Cool J, who then I guess becomes the second biggest star uh, after Sam Jackson's, uh, you know, Janet Leigh-style demise here midway through the film. You think water's fast? You should see ice. It moves like it has a mind. Like it knows it killed the world once. It got a taste for murder. Now, we took an oath that I'm breaking now. Swore that we said it was the snow to kill the other two. But it wasn't. Nature can be lethal. But it doesn't hold a candle to man. Now you've seen how bad things can get, and how quick they can get that way. Well, they can get a whole lot worse. So we're not going to fight anymore! We're going to pull together, and we're going to find a way to get out of here! Funny that you should bring that up because I guess the way this worked out was that Samuel L. Jackson was originally offered LL Cool J's part and it was in a different version of the script where LL Cool J's character 
uh, I believe didn't really make it to the end and wasn't as, as significant a role. Uh, and, <laughs> and then they just really wanted to kill him, didn't they? It just seems like they just wanted to kill Sam Jackson. I guess so. But then, so then I guess what happened is they wanted to give him a bigger part or something and they retooled the script, but then they ended up, but it was Rennie Harlan who came up with this great idea of having Samuel L. Jackson, you know, bite it. Uh, halfway through the movie and and what's great about it is that they said they really do seem to be setting you up for him to be the central heroic leadership figure here because he's the guy who's been in a disaster situation before and lived to tell the tale and as cheesy as that all like sounds when he's talking about it in the moment you know i uh, having seen this in theaters like i can tell you it was just like a palpable feeling that you got when when the when the shark just rises up and and pulls him under uh in you know right in the middle of the speech and and what i what i really appreciate about it appreciate about it today is the subtle subtle use of editing uh that that you know the camera's getting like like progressively closer to him and it really it really like if you cut off the the twist itself you know anyone would tell you this is the big rousing uh you know uh midway speech for the characters to to you know to pull together and blah 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 as he says uh and uh yeah what so okay deniston why do you think movies don't take this kind of risk anymore uh i i can't think of a movie uh within like the last 10 years or so that did anything similar to this Hmm. I mean, is it the is it the event uh, status of of people, the expectation that you only go see, you know, for most uh, audience members, they only see like three or four movies a year. Uh, are they afraid of this sort of bait and switch type response? There's like, you know, God damn it. I paid to see Robert Downey Jr. in the Iron Man suit. And you, you took that away from me halfway through the film. That I don't I know if that's the the thinking there. Um, obviously, there's different aspirations with this. You know, even when this came out, this was like, you know, it, it's sort of a B movie, right? Mm-hmm. An expensive B movie. But uh, I, you know, I didn't I didn't see this in theater, so I kind of regret not having that experience that you mentioned. Um, but having just watched like Placid. To me, this is like, okay, this is like the better version of it, right? This is like, I feel Definitely. like the aims are, yeah. are similar. Um, so I don't know. This feels like, unfortunately, like I think someone like Tarantino <laughs> could do this type of stuff and get away with it. Like there's a there's a death in the Hateful Eight with, uh, you know, a, a few you know big names that, you know, right around the halfway point. Where and there's one in particular where all he's really there for is to show his face to have it sort of blown off as a gag, like you know, two minutes into his appearance. But those are also event films for you know film nerds. So I don't know. I don't know if it's you know stars protecting themselves more or studios feeling like they have to protect like the audience and that there would be a backlash uh, to to seeing like you know the big movie star an action movie getting killed off halfway through but it is it is sad because i mean that's as i said that's what this one is kind of known for uh vaguely at this point you you know i don't want to name it i don't want to name the title but there is a really popular you know 90s film that did 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 play with this trope as well that i watched about a year ago or so and and you could probably it, it you know it takes place on a plane let's just say 
and, and, and okay, that was a movie where I think that I think pulled this off really well also. And, and the audience that, cheered, right? When that person died. Well, I, I didn't see it in theaters. <laughs> I, I mean, I cheered in my living room, but you know, it, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I actually did see that one. It's funny, like you know, even with that, you, uh, you exactly. Know, I know. You're like know. you sons of bitches. Like you're on an audio podcast. And you're like, we're not going to say what it is, but, but everyone knows what it. we're talking about if they've seen it. And if they haven't right. seen okay. it, then they they'll be surprised. Mm-hmm. You know? Unlike our deep blue sea uh, conversation, where we want to lead with the the kill, but that, that I actually want to ask you. So this one, you think this one holds up as a whole? As uh, you know, removing the the sort of shock death. Like once, once you get beyond that, and if you've seen it a few times, uh, this one is just as entertaining for you as it was on first watch. Well, you'll never get that same feeling, you know, but that happens with any movie. And, and what I, what I, the other thing I like about it too, is that not only do they, do they kill off Sam Jackson so early, then they do the, you know, the one, two punch by having Saffron Burroughs character, you know, having to die in a very group and, and, you know, a lot. So, okay. You brought, you mentioned the MCU with Robert Downey Jr. And everything. And a lot of, a lot of, I, I haven't seen one of those movies in many years, but a lot of times I get the sense that they're preparing people for uh big character deaths yes, and everything. Yeah. And I, I really dislike that idea. I think it's really stupid. I think that, you know, what's what's the point of doing anything if you have to constantly like placate the audience and treat them with kid gloves and not let them have, you know, that satisfying emotional experience of having the rug pulled out from under them. Uh, so a TV version of this, uh, you know, would be the first season of Game of Thrones. Uh, where and I, I guess you haven't watched that, correct? So you wouldn't know what I'm talking about, right? I've seen the first co- <laughs> first two seasons, yeah. Oh, okay. So you know what I'm talking about. Uh, so TV version of this would be, the, yeah, that first season of Game of Thrones where they definitely pull the rug out from under you. And, y- you know, I, I uh, for a time, I, I felt like TV was kind of taking over that, that kind of really, like, you know, uh, thrilling uh, type of storytelling. And, and even in that very series, you know, by the time they get to the end of it, they're, they're doing the MCU thing. They're, they're having to prepare people for uh, characters' deaths, uh, many times just not even having major characters die uh, anymore in a universe that was, already, that was set up to be, you know, extremely, uh, you, you know, cutthroat and, and hard to survive in. Uh, and, and yet, the, I, I mean, it's funny, this, this, you know, this silly little movie, which on paper was probably a huge risk for them, considering that Rennie Harlan was coming off of the Gina Davis movie, uh, Cutthroat, Cutthroat Island, Island. Yeah. which was a huge bomb. And this is another movie that takes place on the water and could have had a lot of similar <laughs> problems. Uh, you know, they, they went in a lot of different kind of directions and they made it more than just the silly, uh, sci-fi shark movie and, uh, the Meg, which we, which I've been picking on a lot, you know, why like, that was a stupid movie too. Why didn't they feel like they could swing for the fences? And is that one with uh, Jason Statham? Yes. Jason Statham. And okay. Well, it came to, I've not seen it, but, uh, you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I'm not feeling like really pressed to, uh, even though you, you know, you're going to mention it for the rest of the series. You're going to bring up the Meg, but, um, 
what you were just saying remind me uh, of an article that I uh, came across with Hobbs and Shaw just releasing uh, where um, it was about like basically actors protecting their image uh, in, in film and Statham and both and uh, Dwayne Johnson have certain clauses like basically or uh, the script, um, I guess the ability to change the script to suit, you know, how often they are punched or how, for how long they are like uh, on the cusp of being beaten in a fight, like how many minutes you can allow them to basically be losing on screen. <laughs> um, and it's, it's the strangest fucking thing because I don't know. I feel like the, you know, the heroes that, you know, us normal folk gravitate towards, like, you know, you, you think of someone like Indiana Jones, mm-hmm. right? It's Harrison Ford. So he's, you know, incredibly handsome, and he's incredibly charming, and he's a genuine movie star. But Indiana Jones, for the most part, gets the shit kicked out of him. And through <laughs> there's a lot of luck and a lot of chance. And, of course, there's that the classic scene where when he sizes up an opponent that <laughs> he thinks will clearly outmatch him, uh, he just shoots him. <laughs> and just, just puts the gun back in his, his you know holster and then goes about his day. Uh I think that's, you know, that's the other element of this. And that's probably why, like, you know, something like Deep Blue Sea probably can't be star studded. Right. But, you know, kudos to Sam Jackson for, for being cool with being killed off, uh, because I think audience members assume like, well, we, we have no allegiance uh, or no you know prior knowledge of Thomas Jane. But with Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, you know, there's a I don't know, there's definitely I, I as I said, have not seen the Meg, but I can't imagine Jason Statham buys it, you know, 30 minutes into it. That's probably a much better movie. Um, but you know, they just, they just won't allow it. That's, and I, I think that, uh, your, your analysis of preparing an audience for death is, you know, it's also something to where people just, I don't, it's like they, they want to know it's like worthy of their time. Like the, the TV, of like this in particular the marvel movies it's like they're treating them like this is the you know this the latest avengers movie is the the series finale so this is what we've been building towards so and this one like you know all the cards are on the table which is (laughs) it's weird the audience of audiences have accepted that the prior you know eight movies leading up to this one the big crossover uh that we know that nothing much can be altered here cuz they've already announced 3 years down the mm-hmm. road uh, that's what we're building up to. and it's weird that people are like accepting of it like we're happy to pay our money knowing that there's no payoff for another 3 years and they've already told us this is the payoff movie Avengers payoff uh it's just just very strange Avenger, know, Avengers but... paycheck that'll be the the final <laughs> uh the final MCU movie <laughs> I, I do, I, you know, I have to admit, and it probably would have insulted me greatly as a, you know, as a teenager uh, in college when I was really into comics, but I'm really loving these uh, consistent articles or these like publicity tours from Gwyneth Paltrow where she has no idea she was in this Marvel movie or that Marvel movie. Like there was <laughs> an article I just read where she, uh, there's, I guess, a big like group picture they were taking for, you know, I don't know, for the Blu-ray or whatever. And she asked why Samuel L. Jackson was there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm loving just the the trolling nature of this woman. I have nothing in common with her, but I'm I'm really enjoying that she is clearly there just for the paycheck and cannot be bothered to you know who she's acting opposite of. Love it. Well, they don't allow her to you know to be in the kind of movies that that her fan base you know likes, mm. like the period pieces and, and blah blah blah. Uh, you know, I'm sure there's probably one or two people out there still 
wanting to see those movies. You know, I, I would probably see those movies. Um, and, and so, yeah, it's like, what else, what else can she do? Uh, you know, I guess now she'll be the stand in for, you know, oh, I guess I don't want to go there. I don't want to spoil the final Avengers movie for like the few people who haven't seen it, uh, myself included, but <laughs> that are, that are coming to our little podcast yes. on the movies of 1999. They're like, well, these guys won't spoil anything currently in theaters. It's and, the uh, principle yeah. of the thing, Deniston, <laughs> it's, you know, it's the principle of the thing. All right. A little bit more just on, you know, the actual film itself and not yeah, yeah, just yeah. the nature of the, uh, killing off, uh, Nick Fury. But, uh, so you mentioned Saffron Burroughs, uh, getting it in the end. And that's one element of the film I really dislike. Like, why? She's, well, okay, so she's obviously the one that if you're watching it, you want to die. If someone has to die, because she's, she has been extraordinarily risky, uh, with, you know, her coworkers' lives, uh, with their well being, uh, for, you know, the greater good. But, uh, she becomes unhinged at a certain point and, there are you know, a couple instances where she doesn't allow the, I guess, our everyman, uh, Thomas Jane, who I love how he's introduced as uh, this former criminal and uh, basically is strong-armed into not speaking up uh, about the dangers of what they're doing because he wouldn't be able to get a job <laughs> anywhere else. And I'm thinking, a guy, you, you put this on his resume that he swims with sharks. <laughs> I'm thinking, you know what? He's going to get work somewhere because it's like this guy's willing to die for for his job. So she, not a nice person. I don't like that the film uh, sacrifices her because I feel like that that actually is catering to the audience. Like, oh, good, the person we dislike. We have to we have to get one more kill out of the way, and uh, you know we we get to see her torn to bits. I don't know. Feels a little, feel, you know, if there can be such a thing as fan service for the, the deep blue sea diehards, this is as close as it comes for me. And that's why, that's why we don't have nice things uh, today. <laughs> Michael Denniston. So um, I get what you're saying. I mean, obviously you don't want her to die, but I think t- for me, it becomes sort of an act of self redemption by the end, because she knows that she, you know, created this problem and that if, if you know, if she doesn't do anything, then, uh, you know, more people are going to die needlessly. Now, interestingly enough, and I believe we did, we talked about this the first time you and I uh, podcasted on this movie, uh, but there was an alternate ending that was put forth in, in test screenings where, where she uh, actually, actually lives. Uh, and if you look closely in the movie, the first time Thomas Jane comes out of the water and sits next to LL Cool J at the at the end, he he looks uh, <laughs> he looks at someone who isn't there, and mm. and she's actually been digitally edited out from like one shot I think at the end of this movie in order for that that illusion to be to be real. Uh, also, that they didn't have to like reshoot the whole thing, I guess. Uh, and and. Uh, there, there were several deleted scenes on the on the Blu-ray, but but that alternate alternate ending wasn't included. And l- little interesting things here and there. Uh, the so Stellan Skarsgård's girlfriend. Uh, w- there was a scene that established early on that that she was actually pregnant, and, and I feel like that kind of uh, was a good thing to take out because you know that's just too that's just too sad. Like you know, to happen in the middle of this popcorn shark movie. Assuming um, he's the uh, the father to be, as I mean, he has a pretty. Well, I'm not rough thinking death. about that. I'm anyway. 
I'm well, thinking I'm about saying, her. I'm thinking about her death. Uh, you know, well, yeah, that one would be bad too. Child, but you know, like his is, you know, the <laughs> his is both the cheesiest and probably the, like the the most gruesome in the sense that the sharks are using his death to taunt the others mm-hmm. that they're about to die. So yeah, his is the closest you get to like a uh, like the opening like scream kill or something where the sharks are really like reveling in their abilities. So if it was revealed like oh yeah, and he was going to be a father too. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe it gets a little too real with, with both of those characters and, you know, her, I think that her character's name is Janice. Mm-hmm. Uh, she seems to be the most aggressive and, uh, you know, rightfully so in, uh, taking down the Saffron Burroughs character for what she's, what she's done, uh, to them. So yeah, if you do that, well then you can definitely see why they have to kill <laughs> the, the, uh, the Saffron Burroughs character at the very end if she's got a pregnant woman and her, you know, boyfriend killed. So um, yeah, I think that's smart for this type of movie. Uh, yeah, you you want to keep it somewhat light and fun. It is about sharks with like <laughs> big, you know, big brains, big beefy brains. So let's. And that's also the reason I didn't go see it in theaters because I, I, you know, just saw that trailer and I was like, well, that's dumb. I don't, you know, super super smart sharks. Like we're we are truly in the age of Austin Powers here. And uh, I, I I was not for it then, but I did catch up with it on video. Yeah, I remember looking at the trailers and thinking it was something I would not like, and I remember kind of making fun of it. Uh, but then, but then by the time it came out, word of mouth was actually pretty positive on it. And so, man, I'm really this is one of those ones where I'm just like so glad that I had that experience uh, because I there, there's been a lot of movies like that where I didn't get to have you know that 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 absolutely you know, knock your socks off shock, uh, kind of experience when, you know, when something like this happens. Um, and you're saying it won't ever happen again, not for a future generation. You know, well, I mean, you know, you got to get over this whole fan service crap. Uh, I don't understand why if we have all these horror films that are really popular and everything, it would seem like, you know, a prime opportunity to do something really unexpected, uh, and all that. And and in, and instead they just you know it's just like oh hey let's just keep let's keep making art house horror movies and marking them as as deep blue sea and then being shocked <laughs> when people are not happy with them uh, you know let's do that <laughs> that's better <laughs> that's the real twist is you show up for one movie you get a completely different one uh, you know that's our that's our Sam Jackson of 2019. <laughs> I think you've uh you've we we've both come around to the idea that uh there's there's not going to be any any surprises uh, for the rest of our lives, right Ben? I'm not going to say that. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Just go all in. Go all in on the darkness for this this very fun shark movie. I guess so. I'm trying to think of something that really surprised me and I can't. So, I guess you're right. <laughs> uh Mission Impossible the last Mission Impossible had a few good twists that uh you know, I wouldn't say they were on this level. Uh, of deep blue sea but they were you know they were decent they're decent twists i don't know I, you know the, the most that i can say is like something surprised me that i didn't think that i would like but uh like doing this podcast watch? with me there you go yeah yeah uh, actually i mean this is way off base but i was watching the uh the paul verhoeven movie uh l which yeah I, I like that movie. i had i had not seen uh, because, well, I had watched like the first like five minutes of it, uh, and I was like, I can't remember what streaming service it was on. And I'm like, mm, no, I'm not in the mood for this because uh, you know, opens with the rape. But uh, that was one that uh, I think could have had a couple more deep blue sea moments in it. 
Um, and I don't know. It's uh, it's strange how uh, th- this is something we probably should talk about. But like, you know, there is a certain training that goes on if you watch too many movies, I guess, or just just mm-hmm. enough movies where you're you're sort of trained to. And that's the that the reason that came to mind was, you know, there's this masked man that attacks. Uh, our lead character in the opening sequence and the very first time he's introduced and by i mean introduced like he's on screen i was like oh that's the attacker (laughs) and i'm wondering like am i supposed to be reading the film that way is that the filmmaker's fault or am i just like too is my my antenna too strong on like you know how things are supposed to play out like why they introduce characters at this point in the film um i don't really think that's like what's happening with like modern films but I, I do have to kind of check myself sometimes that just maybe I mainline movies like just at a you know uh, a level that's not expected to by by mainstream audiences and so maybe I'm not having the same responses that they they are maybe that's why I, I kind of tune out to a lot of the uh, you know the excitement for the Marvel movies. See, I actually think audiences are really savvy with this kind of stuff, and I think we're going to get into that with uh, with another episode that that we have coming up. Uh, so, you know, I'll say more about that when, when, when we get there. Well, I hope it's the next one because otherwise you're going to keep our listeners in suspense, much like that film that we talked about. Yeah, unfortunately. Uh, and so I guess we're not doing trivia for this episode. Uh, but unfortunately, uh, if you're looking for, uh, earth shattering plot twists, uh, runaway bride by Gary Marshall, uh, is not the film for you. Uh, so <laughs> no one came away from that going, going, Oh my God, <laughs> it, it was Christopher Maloney the whole time. Uh, you know, no one said that. <laughs> uh, Joe well, Cusack what? was a man. No, nothing like that. <laughs> I, uh, well, you, you are kind of making that film more interesting, but uh, we'll get into it more <laughs> in the next episode, uh, as this will be a true first time watch for me. I, I did not watch this as a 16 year old, so I'm catching up to it as a grown man and uh we'll see how it plays the perfect the perfect audience for it i think really (laughs) i you know i i think so i think (laughs) i think think this was marketed towards uh you know middle-aged people who are very sad very sad lonely (laughs) middle-aged guys cynical cynical don't forget cynical that's who gary marshall had in mind uh, when he made run, I'm going to make this picture for the guy that didn't want Saffron Burroughs to die in Deep Blue Sea. That's what it's thinking. See, that wouldn't so. have been possible because, I mean, you know, he hadn't obviously he couldn't have seen Deep Blue Sea. Uh, Don't ruin my narrative, Ben. <laughs> Gary I'm Marshall, time traveler uh, yeah. here. Is, you know. So, yeah, uh, if you like shark movies, come back for the next episode on Julia Roberts uh, having many a wedding. And if you'd like to continue the conversation with us, feel free to do so on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at 99from99.